right, welcome to Science Stories. I want to introduce my two great guests I have today. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Cynthia Gonzalez. Hello. You go for Dr. G, right? So Dr. G earned three graduate degrees in music theory, one of them from Harvard University. She's a, a doctor in, in music. And not only that, she's a great teacher. So she won the, the presidential award here at Texas State for her great teaching skills. She also has a really cool website of oral skills that you should check it out. You should definitely check it out. It's listen-sing.com. There's a lot of exercises and, and really cool stuff that you can learn. And I'm also really happy to introduce Desmond Fay, also known as Defoy. He's a singer, he's a songwriter, and he's a producer. And we're going to hear him perform live today also. So <laughs> I'm really excited about that. So let me start, let me start asking a really... Easy question for you, right, Dr. G? So can you please, first of all, tell us, can you define what music is? Oh, man. You said you were going to start with an yeah, easy yeah. question. <laughs> okay. Well, at a very fundamental definition, one that nobody really likes, it's music is sound that it's sound and silence. And music is also patterns because no music exists without repetition and part of human brain is that we we're good at recognizing patterns so yes it's sound and it's silence that together work to create music but there's also patterns in there there's repetition there is structure you might not be able to perceive the structure oh, right. but music has structure I like that. but when you speak there's also patterns of sound Yes. and repetition yes. and all that and yet you there's something different that happens when you're singing than when you're speaking how that, how would you that is true i was a singer i i still do sing but, but so when i am talking i'm not singing but when i switch over to my singing voice now i'm creating music so you would you say that singing is something that has to be conscious, that you're 100% conscious that you're singing? Could, could there be some sort of unconscious singing? When I was speaking and then I switched into my singing voice, that was a conscious decision to do so. Something that I heard a lot, that musical language is universal. So if you know how to read musical language, would you be able to grab any sheet of musical piece and be able to read it or... Are there other forms of musical language as well, of written musical language? To the best of my knowledge, every culture in the world has music. We don't all structure the sound the same way. So what is traditionally taught in European and Western schools, in the United States, uh -huh. the Americas, is Western Facts. music theory, Western Facts. music, and it's based on an octave scale. Do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do. Oh, and, and solfege, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, though you can use numbers too, yeah, but yeah, most yeah, of us yeah. like we to we use solfege. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I'm not uh, an expert, but for example, Indian music, Southeast Asian music, they have a different scale system Facts. than we do. Facts. And yeah. so the way that their scales sound and would be notated is different than the way than Western music. And so that's a whole nother set of, uh, of, of 
expertise, set of knowledge? Something that I'm really interested in is perfect pitch. It's a, something that I admire a lot, people yeah. that have the ability to have perfect yeah. pitch. So can you, can you please tell us what perfect pitch is? Sure. Perfect pitch is the ability to hear a frequency, a pitch. And can you please define what a pitch oh, is sh oh, and, and sure. then <laughs> the difference between a pitch and a tone, maybe? Okay. A pitch is more of a scientific name, and it is specifically a frequency, and we can give it a number. A lot of people perhaps have heard of A440. Mm -hmm. Well, that is the pitch we name A, and 440 is its frequency. Okay, so it's a physical property of sound yes okay. that can be measured that can be measured that can be measured people that have perfect pitch will learn that this particular sound has this name mm -hmm. and that and that name would be the tone that name that name in in the united states we use letter names okay some other countries use solfege names mm -hmm. uh yeah now okay, tone so, yes yeah, tone is an interesting word exactly. in that it does we mean got hung up on that <laughs> Tone can mean pitch. And tone is also associated with tone quality. For example, I'm going to make a sound that is considered a very nasal timbre. Mm -hmm. Okay, but another tone would be a round tone. And so tone is not just pitch, but tone... Refers also to the quality of the, the sound. The quality. Okay. You yeah. just basically show the difference between um, um, Keith Sweat and Beyonce with the nasally tone <laughs> and then the. <laughs> okay, but the word tone also has a really specific meaning because we talk in music theory we talk about interval of a whole tone and a half to a semitone, yeah. half tone, semitone, and if you're used to the organization on a piano keyboard notes that are or keys that are absolutely adjacent are what we would call the semitone but if they're two keys apart there's one key in between then that's a whole tone so if i understand correctly then pitch would be the physical frequency that we can measure from sound and then tone would be the name we agreed on naming that particular frequency of sound right sure okay but tone tone has a bigger meaning because it can also yeah, mean yeah. tone quality. So one of the meanings. Yes, one of the meanings, yes. Then, unlike other talents, I guess you have to somehow be educated into your talent, right? Because sure. if you don't know what this pitch actually means or what we agreed to call it, then yeah. you wouldn't know you have perfect pitch. Yeah. And, and therefore, I, I'll ask you, do you think there are people out there with perfect pitch that they don't know about it? Sure. Because if you are identified as having perfect pitch you have probably been identified by somebody with musical training. Uh, one of my professors, a woman named Dr. G Dr. Groom, Joanne Groom up at North Texas, told the story that as a little girl, she told her, her mother was talking about some pitches or, or referencing some pitches on the piano. And to her mother, as a little girl, she said, oh, that's the, the same pitch as the train that comes through town. And her mother recognized that 
she must have perfect pitch if she was associating the sound of the train with, with what she key. was hearing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. and so if you're around musical people and they recognize that you're really good at associating uh, pitches produced in different contexts, but it's the same pitch, and then you would learn that, oh, when you hear that pitch, that's what we call an A, or that's right. what we call a B. Right. Yeah. yeah. And what, what is the difference between perfect pitch and relative pitch? That's a great question. Okay, perfect pitch says if you hear a specific tone, you hear a specific pitch, say a G, mm -hmm. then you recognize it as G. But if you have a relative pitch, you need one pitch to be a reference pitch from which you can then identify or mm -hmm. sing mm -hmm. or create mm -hmm. every other pitch. Yeah. So your, your relative pitch is grounded to a pitch you're given. Would you say relative pitch can be developed? Oh, absolutely. That's what I teach. That's what you teach? That's what I teach. All right, let's test it then. Do you mind? Oh, no, I don't have perfect pitch, but let's no, play. No, let's test, okay. let's test the perf uh, okay. relative pitch. Sure. Okay, you're going to tell mind? me what pitch. Okay. Oh, I'll guess. It'll, it'll You'll try fun. to guess the first one? Okay, I'll try to guess okay. the first one. In my hand here, for people listening, I have a master key, his name. It looks like a round harmonica. It's a pitch pipe. Let's see. Let's see what what. <laughs> oh, so nervous. So pipe. nervous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I to me, to that it. sounds like a G. That's a G, indeed. Okay. Good. good. Okay. Okay. So now I have. You have the reference I, note. I'm hearing in my head a G. A G. Okay. And you play any other pitch, and I should be able to tell you what it is. Okay. That's a D. Good. Uh, one more? Sure. Okay. Um, That's a C. Yeah. Too easy for you. This is well, too easy. But, but this is what I do professionally. Yeah. So I, I would hope it's a little easy. Okay, Dr. G, sorry. I have okay. one question. Yeah. When I play an F, for example, right? I play an um, F. And then I play an F an octave lower. What is similar and what is different between those two sounds? It has to do with that pitch frequency, the number. Off the top of my head, I don't know the pitch frequency for F, but the, when you played the high one, it was twice the number as the lower one. Okay, so for all the guitar players out there, if you play an open string and you put your finger halfway the length of that string, my finger is halfway the length of the on string. The, on the 12th fret, right? Yes, 12th fret. And it was one octave higher than the open string. With the fire engines, it was E flat. Okay. <laughs> it was not in tune with me. No? Okay. <laughs> okay, so if I play an open E and I put my finger halfway through the length of the string, it sends the sound a distance we call one octave higher, and its frequency would be twice that of the open string. Okay, super interesting. Yeah. And the wavelength would be shorter. Yes.
am Mateo Garcia and you're listening to Science Stories. Dr. G, what are, what are we listening to now? That is a movement called We Tell Each Other Stories, a song taken from a larger work titled Considering Matthew Shepard. It premiered in 2016 in Austin, Texas, and it was composed by another Texas State faculty member, Craig Hella Johnson, who is also <laughs> the founding director of Conspirare, which is a professional choir in Austin. And this song is about telling each other our stories, and instead of letting barriers of either um, location or visual barriers separate us, tell stories and get connected to each other through telling stories. Well, that's, I guess that's all what music is about, right? Yes. Yeah, that, that's still a relevant concept for right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I hate to cut the moment, the beautiful moment, but going back a little bit to perfect, perfect pitch. Sure, sure. Yeah. I'm sure you guys are familiar with the works of Diana Deutsch. She's a really interesting scientist that she studies a lot of music perception. And there has been a, a really nice episode on Radiolab. This is a podcast I really admire in which the she explores and she proposes that the probability of having perfect pitch is also affected by the language you speak. You're you're familiar with that? Yes. So they what she what she proposed is that if you speak a tonal language, which is a tonal language is one and English is not one. And most Western languages <laughs> are not tonal. But a tonal language is one in which the pitch at which you say a word also communicates that word's meaning. Specifically, for example, if um, uh, this is this is a bad because uh, I don't speak a tonal language. It, most of them are Asian languages of which I'm aware. For example, if I say "who," well, if I were to always imitate an owl, when I would if I were to always do it at that pitch, "who," that has a specific meaning if I associate it with an owl. But if I just in general say "who," as in "who are you," right. that has a, a meaning. A different meaning, but if every time we were referring to the sound that an owl makes, we always put it higher in our voice versus referring to a person, mm-hmm. it would be low in our voice. That's a characteristic of a tonal language, and so th- it makes perfect sense to me that cultures that have a tonal language would have more people with perfect pitch because in order to communicate, you have to be aware of that pitch. And the results that she gets are, are pretty outstanding. She, she gets in the order of four times more frequent perfect pitch cases in those tonal languages. Tonal languages okay. than in, in Makes total one. sense. But some, uh, I also read a little bit about it, and, and some people 
can also argue that it, the musical training they have it's also a, a big influence and uh, we actually talked a little bit about this that well, a lot of cultures that uh, we do know that it, when you start your musical training at a younger age that you will become a more proficient musician so uh, for example learning to match pitch so that you can sing with others yeah. uh, generally we like to do that between the ages of six and eight because that's when uh, our our physiology is is primed to learn to match pitch now can you learn to match pitch when you're older than eight years old absolutely everybody in the adult choir sitting up on the edge of their seat <laughs> like can I, can I still yeah you absolutely everybody can learn to match pitch but it is harder the older you get i really admire diana deutsch and i looked a little bit into into her work preparing this interview and I found about something I, I completely didn't know, that it's the tritone paradox. Mm -hmm. Explain what it is. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. So basically what it consists is of two computer-produced tones that are related by half an octave. That's a tritone, right? Mm -hmm. and, and when one tone of a pair is played, followed by the second, some people hear as an ascending pattern, but some people will listen to it and they will hear a descending pattern. I would like to hear the exact tones that she used. Okay. I think she uses something that are like a more of a pure tone without any what we call overtones mm -hmm. to the yeah. pitches. So and those those are so pure that those those would be harder to discern. So this would be the first one. Descending. Really? Yeah. I hear da da. I hear an ascending. I heard, it, I heard it ascending too. That's a different one, right? No, that was the same one. And I hear that as low note, high note. Mm. And that, let's try another one. Decent. <gasps> Play that again. This one again. <laughs> I hear that as an ascending from da da da. But wow. when I hear it descending. Yeah, really. but when I got to the high note, I could hear the underside of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so then I could hear that as a low one, as a, as a descending interval. So Tricky. Do you know why, why some people would hear it as ascending and some people hear it as descending? That interval, it's called a tritone because it's three of those whole tones we were talking about Correct. previously. In no culture of which I'm aware, in no context in Western music theory, is that anything other than a tone, a, an interval that we call dissonant. Mm -hmm. It is specifically dissonant. And the, the folklore is that there was a time that in Western music, it was referred to as diabolus in musica, because it was an interval to avoid melodically. Sounds and so, uh, so there's there have, and there is a bigger explanation for why it became known as a problematic interval. Yes. But the rule remains today that when you're writing a melody, you don't include either that is an ascending or a descending interval. So there's basically there's no correct or wrong answer. Uh, That's um, possible. Uh, a study in 1995, um, they did an in vivo magnetic 
how do you, how do you pronounce it? Sorry? Resonance. 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 Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, of the brain in musicians that they have perfect pitch, and then they also did it in musicians that don't have perfect pitch, mm -hmm. and they actually found structural asymmetries in the in in the particular area of the brain that processes music. What do you guys think about that? Makes total sense. So they <laughs> one one thing that they that they mentioned in the study is that that for the brain processing music is such a complex and integrative task because there's at least four things that they have to that the brain has to process and it's information about time information about timber it also triggers emotion and you also have to understand meaning right because music also has meaning the the complexity that you describe in performing the mu in performing music and in listening to music is ex explains why one of the classes that music students at the university, at any university studying music, they take four semesters of a course called Oral Skills. And one of the goals on some level is to acquire some relative pitch, but also it's to be able to write down in music notation what they're hearing. Yeah. And that is so abstract. Because you can't see pitch, you can't bend it. I can't help a student by saying, oh, you wrote down these two pitches, and then I can't adjust it for them. Wait, wait, it is wait, wait. so abstract. Well, what do you mean by you can't bend pitch? Oh, well, you can bend pitch as a performer, oh, but okay. I can't go okay. in and manipulate pitch for a student. I can't get inside their thought processes mm, and mm. manipulate to get the correct answer, to okay. manipulate how they're thinking, okay. to adjust, to vary how they're thinking, to arrive at a, 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 the correct answer. Even if they wrote it out the entire time? Well, what if, what if they write it out wrong? But then, then you could then help fix what they didn't know how to do. Oh, sure, but I, yeah. can't do, I can't get inside their thinking to do that. Mm. For example, if I'm trying to learn ballet, okay. can't the ballet, and I've got my foot in the wrong, or my hand in the wrong position, right, right. the ballet master can come over and adjust my, my position. physical position. Mm -hmm. When students are writing down a melody that they can't see, mm -hmm. because sound waves are invisible as they right. go through the air, okay. then I can't manipulate what they're seeing or what they're hearing. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very abstract. Okay. Okay, I have two more <laughs> studies yeah. about perfect pitch, yes. and then and then we can move on to more music okay. talk. Okay. okay. There's a recent review study that explores the possibility that perfect pitch has a genetic basis. So we we are, I understand that that what Diana Deutsch, pro, uh, Deutsch proposes that it's environmentally affected by the language you speak, but they also exploring the possibility that it has a a, a, gen, a gene a genetic basis. And the reason they say that is because there, through history, there are some, some clusters of really talented musicians that suggest that there has to be, besides the environmental effects, something that's genetically going on. And, and, and mm -hmm. the study highlights the, the case of Johann Sebastian Bach and his family, that apparently two generations before and four generations afterwards, and, and ac all across the, his, his family, there's, it's full of super talented musicians. I'm, I'm sure you know a lot about that, Dr. G, right? It, yes, I'm aware. And, and it's interesting because this study also reviews another study that, that they include 1,500 twin pairs in the study to determine whether genes are affecting or not. So 
when you use twins, the, the interesting thing about using twins for a study is that you, they, they have the same genetic material. And so if they were raised in different environments, then you can control and you can determine whether it's the environment or the genes that are affecting more. And they actually find a strong genetic correlation between perfect pitch and, 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 and the genes of, of, of the people. So I guess this leads to the question, is that the case in, 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 your, in your family? Do, do you guys come from a, from a talented musician family? Uh, I, I would say my, I come from a pretty talented music, musical family. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, I like to challenge that definition of um, the most musical prolific family ever. Um, is this anybody um, like a Les Paul that, that would reinvent this, this awesome machine and then turn it into electronically applicable, changing one form of energy to another through a transducer? Is it anybody like that? Is anybody like a Tommy Dow that'll take um, um, your sound waves and then fur further further extrapolate this this uh, this Sorry, concept? Be before you go further, I, okay. I let me maybe I, I misexpress myself. Okay. I, I didn't say that the Bach, or I didn't mean to say that the Johann Sebastian Bach was the most talented family ever. I just said that that they mentioned it as one really outstanding family of musicians. Yeah. So okay. I, I was just questioning or challenging the definition to do so, and I liken it to changing one form of energy to another through a transducer like this microphone mm -hmm. or an electronic guitar like Les Paul did or Tommy Down with the actual action of live uh, mixing while, while still having this audible performance or conversation mm -hmm. or anything like that. Uh, that's what I was getting to. Outside of just emoting the sound. That's, that's, is his family full of talented musicians No, as well? I'm just saying other musicians that did other things with musical instruments other than play them. That, that's what I'm saying. But but is it uh, um is it uh, is that talent replicated across the generations? Um, for for my family, somewhat yes. Okay. So like if you're talking about ingenuity from like um playing a uh playing a musical instrument and writing, yes, my family does that. If you're talking about audio production, my family does it. If you're talking about multiple instrumentalists, my family does that. Talking about singing, my family does that. Well, then um, you then you agree that it has a genetic basis then, right? But we're all genetically connected, are we not? Exactly. Okay, yeah. so we're talking about the same person. No, same family. I that know, no. that you are more connected than to other random person. But we're all genetically connected. When you say all, you mean members in your family, or no? All I mean everybody in this room is no, genetically no. connected. The the degree of connection is way more with your family than with a stranger. Yeah. So everybody doesn't come from the same mitochondria. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. But okay. We're saying two different things that don't contradict each other. And all I'm saying is we're not as strange as we think we are. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's, that's uh, quantifiable. Mm -hmm. And you, we know how strange we are with strangers and within the family. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating because, if I understood you correctly, twins separated and raised in different families still had perfect pitch. Did they go further and, did, and actually quantify how much musical training every person received because I would think that someone with musical training and perfect pitch versus someone who was not in uh, a family that sang together or that did not receive musical training, mm -hmm. they could still have perfect pitch, but it would, it, it might not be as refined or as polished. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, they, when they do the tests, as, as far as I, I read, mm -hmm. they admit a certain range of failure as well in your perfect pitch. So it's when you hit 80% of the tones 
in, in these particular conditions and so yeah. on. So okay. they, they also consider a little bit of variation there. Okay. And then the last, the last study I want to, I wanna, um, I'm actually curious about what, what you guys have to say, is a study that was published in, in PLOS One in, in 2014, so kind of, kind of recently. They also study twins. This is Swedish twins, okay, 10,000 twins. And they find a correlation between musical ability and IQ and intelligence. I found this really interesting because, and this is my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. I think intelligence is the ability to solve a problem, right? To so it, it doesn't mean you know more a lot of facts. I, I don't consider a person that knows a lot of facts intelligent. I, I consider a person that is able to solve a lot of problems intelligent. So that right. could be a plumber, a carpenter, a anywhere, anyone, mm -hmm. or in my opinion, a musician. Because the way I see it, and this is my opinion, this is not a fact, okay? Is when you are a musician, and especially if you are a good musician, you, you, are, you have to be able to translate something that is inside you to the outside in a, in a, in a beautiful way so that people actually like it. And I, I, I see that as a problem, not in the sense of something negative, but as something that needs to be solved, something that needs to go from the inside to the outside. What is, what is your, your view on that? You spoke earlier about the rhythm the pitch, the delivery of text sometimes, the full components, the full view of what we call music has so many pieces that in order to be a successful musician of any style, it, it takes, it, it's very complex. It's very complex. And so it totally makes sense to me that being able to be a good musician has a level of intelligence with it, especially uh, with the creative aspect, if you're composing and producing your own music. Um, but even if you're performing music that was written hundreds of years ago, you are still interpreting the music that is on the notation on the notated page, right. static and mm -hmm. silent mm -hmm. and not alive until the musician gives breath and gives sound to what's on the page. And that takes courage, for one thing, Facts. and it takes creativity, and that takes intelligence to do well. Smile when they approach me. Look so good, my mind's eye is where I hold the detitest. Warren show loved her moons, Randall her cunning hams, Michael her big sin, while Bobby Marley unites us in hourglass, touchdown pass with my music. I am Mateo Garcia, and you're listening to Science Stories. No matter what they sell you, yo, yo, yo. Know that the fear of God should never fail, yo. All right, we're back in Science Stories and we're listening to our own Defoy. What are, what are we listening to? Uh, this song is called That's Your Ass, Mr. Postman. Sorry, man, it's in the title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so rest in peace to John Witherspoon, who's a comedic actor who had died last year. Before the the first time I met you and we talked a little bit about perfect pitch, uh -huh. you said, and this really surprised me, 
you said that you could see it as a curse as well. Oh, I, yeah. I thought you, I, I, I admired it, and I was blown away by the fact that some people can do that. And you said that in it could be kind of a curse. It is. Why, why would you say that? Um, so if if you are an individual with perfect pitch, um, and you're playing with other people, you end up being the line of demarcation a lot of times, and that's not fun to be. Um, especially when everyone's just trying to be there and get through or just playing playing a song or play through a performance. For you to have to be that line of de demarcation, then that sucks sometimes. But that's that's also part of being a leader. Um, that's also why I know everyone's not a conductor. Um, everyone doesn't want to be a band leader. Uh, everyone doesn't want to take the authority to do certain things. So it's the same kind of thing, man. Dr. G, you agree also? That Absolutely. It could be a curse? Why? Absolutely. Why? If you are the person in a choir that is only voices with no instruments because instruments provide referential pitches but if you're just a human voices singing together then and some people have perfect pitch but others don't and the pitch of the ensemble as a whole starts to wander away from what it should be, they and nobody realizes, and they or they get sure. the perfect the person with perfect pitch has to go with the group, although he knows. Yes, huh. yes, yeah. and so if the group gets off, it's really hard mm -hmm. for the person with perfect pitch mm -hmm. to go off with them when they know they're not in the right place. And then they they might sign sound out of tune themselves if yeah. they want to stay on the pitch. Okay, you yeah. can usually see, see it on their face. We got that stank face. <laughs> Defoy, are you ready to perform? Uh, sure, sure. Yeah? Sure. So something I want to get out of out of your presence here oh is wow. a jingle for my a jingle. show. Okay, yeah. we could do that. And actually, Dr. G also, two, please, two. if you want to chime in, feel free. Jingle. So something that I, I, I like is, for example, if I tell you, welcome to Science Stories, what do you hear? Say it again. Welcome to Science Stories. Welcome to Science Stories. That, that's what I hear. What, what, are the, what are the notes that you hear, Dr. G? Say it again. Welcome to Science Stories. Well, it starts high, mm -hmm. ends low, mm -hmm. uh, short, long, short, so short, long, short, long. Do you mind? Welcome to Science Stories. Dum, 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 dum. Welcome to science stories. 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 Sure, you record this at home, okay? Welcome to Science Stories. No copyright infringement. 
Oh, really? Wow, cool. thank you so that's much. Good. That's great. That's great. Okay, what, what, okay. I don't want to abuse, but what about <laughs> we're listening to science stories? That's harder, huh? Um, yeah, because it's longer. It's longer? <coughs> Let's just say listening to science stories. On, on KZSM? All right. Uh, say it again. Yeah. We're listening to science stories on KCSM. We're listening to science stories on KCSM. KCSM, okay. We're listening. Actually, can we just do listening? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool. I'm listening to science stories. KZSM. Listening to science stories. KZSM. Listening to science stories. KZSM listening to science stories. KZSM listening to science stories. KZSM listening to science stories. Wow, that's so good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Defoy, do you want to go ahead and, and, and perform whatever you want? Uh, Improvise something? Sure, 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 sure. Um, Dr. G, you want to you wanna jump in? <coughs> I'll jump in if I can. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, um, um. Science stories, 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 science stories. Science stories, 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 science stories. Science stories, 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 science stories. So, thank you so much. No, 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 no problem. Dr. G, did you have a good time? I had a great time. It's really fascinating to talk with you both. Thank you. You had a good time? I did. I appreciate it. We got to come back. Signing out.